Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so that you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, countless exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that thrives on you not really getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love, play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give you a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get the top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts that have been on the show, and you will see what simple health can be. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 67. In today's episode, I interview expert rehabilitation, strength, and conditioning expert, Mark Buckley. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode to hear about what you can learn from the movie The Matrix, why you might be afraid to learn who you really are, as well as what is causing you to under-recover from both life and exercise. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Mark Buckley. Now, Mark, first question that I ask everybody who comes on the show is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. <laughs> 10 sentences or less? Uh, okay, I'll give him a best shot. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, really, my, my health journey was hugely influenced by Paul Check. Um, I was very fortunate enough to meet him way back in the early 90s where um, when he was building the Czech Institute, New Zealand, fortunately, was one of the first places on the map that he would regularly visit. Uh, before that, I was very locked into academia, so I went through university studying all things you know, strength and conditioning and health. Um, but meeting Paul, who sort of introduced me to the concepts you know, outside of academia as it relates more to a holistic approach, had the, the most profound effect on the way I, I, I moved forward in my career looking at health and exercise and training. So, um, yeah, just listening to very, very intelligent people like Paul and, you know, I'm a big believer in knowledge only gets you so far. Experience um, is really one of the most important things. So we, we talk about the trivium of learning, which is uh, level one's knowledge, level two's experience, and level three is, is wisdom. And that's where both knowledge and experience come together. So. Hearing all this great information by people like Paul Check, um, I then went out and embarked on my own experience with it and applied it to my own health, um, my injuries that I had, some of the health struggles I had, luckily nothing major, but just things with asthma and lots of inflammation in the body and things. And uh, yeah, it really turned me around and, and gave me a complete appreciation uh, for things outside of the, the mainstream sort of model. So I don't know if that was 10 sentences or less, I think it was quite a bit more actually, but yeah, but that, that's really sort of my experience in a nutshell. And Mark, no, that's great. And but that's what it's about is kind of bringing uh, bringing together some of those things that really uh, touched you along the way that really impacted you. Now, what has been your maybe biggest shift in health recently? Like, what changes have you really just started to implement maybe in the last six months to a year? 
Oh, okay. Well, it's it's been quite easy actually because I was fortunate enough uh, four years ago to to meet my beautiful wife, Amina Gonzalez, and uh, she really does embrace all things health and fitness, and you know she kind of brings balance into my life. So I kind of you know when you look at the way that I, I work, I'm very left hemisphere, intellect dominant, very yang dominant. So I, I tend to lose balance a lot, especially when I'm focusing on my career, and my work. So yeah, a lot of those things sort of would. In terms of health and, and well-being and balance and connecting more with my my feminine or my my yin energy kind of would sort of get pushed to the side. So uh, you're getting married to Jimena. Um, she really is a is a balancing force in my life. So you know she's very very structured and she's all about good routines around health and lifestyle. And you know she really believes in in putting your own basic needs first before moving forward to help others and do those sorts of things. So yeah, especially in the last six months, you know I've learned a lot. Um, from from living with Amina and you know learning how to put my own sort of health and well-being needs before the other things that I perceive to be important like my career and, and finances and things like that. So yeah, especially in the last six months. But you know it's always funny because you know I look at it and go yeah I've got this pretty much down pat. I've got good structure. I've got good routine. Um, things like that. I'm eating well. I'm sleeping well. I'm, I'm doing all the things I need to to work in or, or nurture self. And then I go and hit the road with a lecture tour. And within a week, <laughs> the place is messy and I'm, I'm not doing so well. And I kind of go, damn, you know, it's, it's still, still him and his influence that's keeping me in check. I haven't quite self-parented enough to fully embrace it myself yet, but I'm getting a lot better. <laughs> well, and, and I spoke with him in a few weeks ago too. And she, by the time this one comes out, I'm sure uh, hers will be out. So anybody wants to hear just some of her routine, some of her things, I'd recommend go back, check out that episode too. Uh, another great one. But I'm, I'm curious, Mark. Uh, of of all the things maybe that you've now embodied, uh, it, again, with the yin uh, energies, the, the yin parts of yourself now, what has been that one that just has absolutely stood out for you? Has that actually stood out for me? It would, honestly, I, I would have to say it's, it's, it's reconnecting with, with feeling. Um, you know, with, with my upbringing, I was, I was driven into intellect by my father, I was driven into, you know, a lot of yang, sort of aggressive energy. So, you know, my father was, was very old school. And I remember, you know, he used to beat me a lot and be very aggressive to me and, and would say things like, you know, this is what the role of a man is, is to provide for his family, to protect his family. Um, he'd even go into the extremes by saying things that, you know, if ever my brother or myself turned out to be gay, he, we'd have no father anymore who would disown us. Um, so it's all about the tribe, the family name, and, and things like that. And, you know, I can appreciate it now because when I look back at his upbringing, there was a lot of violence and aggression and, and fear and, as well. So, yeah, I, I kind of grew up with a, a lot of resentment, a lot of anger, um, and very driven to, to, to prove myself. So I know if you've listened to Humana talk in the past, you'll, she would have mentioned, you know, that the role of the father is to, to validate and the role of the mother is to inspire. So... You know, what, what should happen is that as we, as we go into to adolescence, um, there's a point at which the, the father should give us a rite of passage into manhood. It's that initiation where, you know, the father sort of acknowledges and honors you as, as now a, as a man and allows you to move forward and self-parent and, and make your own choices and, and should really sort of step back and participate more as, as, a, as a guide or a mentor to help you troubleshoot the decisions you need to make, but ultimately, you know, allow you to self-parent and, and learn to make those choices and and learn how to, you know, deal with the consequences of those choices, both positive or negative. Now, unfortunately, my, my father never never gave me that initiation to manhood. So, 
you know, I, I sort of went out in this sort of compliant, defined relationship where I had to prove myself. I had to be, you know, what my father perceived to be a, a strong, confident male figure. Um, and I navigated my working relationships and my, my intimate relationships from that sort of energy and, and perspective. And, you know, it, as, as I got older, I realized that I became so disconnected from, from feeling, from emotion. And it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I just touched upon the, the trivia model for learning um, in, in the first question. And, you know, I so say that's a level of one's knowledge, two's level of experience, and three's level of wisdom. Well, if we take that a step further, you know, the level of knowledge is what referred to as the level of intellect. And then we talk about experience. It's, it's the level of feeling. Um, you know, it's, it's where you, you've got to connect with the consequences of your choices or connect with, you know, the outcomes and feel, you know. And when we talk about level three, which is um, wisdom, that's where intellect and feeling come together, which is more like a level of intuition. So I teach that to all my students on how to be a real coach, you know, how to coach self, how to coach others. And I realized many years ago that I was so disconnected from feeling that I never really could coach myself. I never really could coach others successfully, you know, with that level of wisdom. Uh, so I think the, you know, a, a long way of, of answering your question, then, Nick, is uh, it was the moment that I, I sort of stepped down from what my father's ideas of being a man was and chasing, you know, academia, um, science, the, you know, the male energies for intellect and being very aggressive and assertive and controlling and the need for authority and, and all those sorts of things that, that go hand in hand. Um, with that, that male imbalance um, and took a step to the other side and started connecting with more my emotional self and more the level of feeling, um, it really has made a big difference in, in all my relationships, you know, my relationship with self, my relationship with others um, and how I'm choosing to, to move forward and, and navigate life. And I honestly believe too it, it's helped me become a, a much better coach and a, and a much better teacher. You know, just that subtle energy of, of the feminine side that so many men tend to, to ignore or, or move away from. Well, that's interesting, Mark, because one of the questions I was going to have for you about, like, the FMA Institute and is, in part, just what about teaching is your favorite part? And is, is that kind of what it is, is showing how to feel or are there other aspects that you really enjoy then too, whether it be teaching, coaching, whatever that might be? Yep, um, I guess, you know, when I, when I look at my career, I kind of become known for being a troubleshooter, you know, so whether it was working in, in the specialized fields like musculoskeletal rehabilitation with injured athletes or towards the other extreme of strength and conditioning with, you know, clients and athletes and sports performance and that, you know, I kind of always embraced, you know, this holistic approach to, to seeing the body and to seeing movement and that, um, but you know, through the influence of had, like I mentioned through with, with Paul Czech, it kind of taught me to, to look beyond the obvious and start looking into the external factors as well, you know, which is lifestyle, which is business, which is relationships, all those things because, you know, when I, when I teach students, one of the things I say is, you know, we, we hear a lot about being careful of, of overtraining people. Well, I kind of come at it from a, a different perspective and I go, you know, most people that we're seeing or most athletes we're seeing, they're not, it's not really so much overtraining, it's more under-recovery. You know, so we really need to understand well, what is recovery. So when you really start getting into the, you know, the art and science of, of managing, you know, fatigue management recovery for your clients and athletes, you, you're only doing half your job if you're only looking at the direct relationships between training and nutrition and, you know, outcome, which is improving 
an aesthetic goal, improving a target, sports skill, whatever. You know, you need to look outside of that to the indirect relationships, which is, you know, what's going on inside that client or athlete's lifestyle that's competing for recovery or in terms of which is creating a lot of fatigue and stress. And like I said before, those indirect things are these environmental lifestyle factors, you know, like how they're having navigating life, their relationship with significant others, their, their finances, you know, how balanced they are between the male and the feminine, all those sorts of things we, we sort of talk about. So I guess what I'm, I'm so passionate about with, with teaching is, is that I'm, I've kind of learnt a lot o- over the years and I think the exciting thing is is that, you know, you, we have this saying that is you can't give what you don't have and you can't share what you haven't experienced. So becoming a, a, a great coach, which is what we all want to do in the fitness industry or working with athletes, is this realization that we must first learn how to coach self before we coach others. So how do we coach self? It's pretty much getting all your own bullshit, excuse my French, but you know, lifestyle in check and learning how to manage your own lifestyle and then being able to share that experience with others and then troubleshooting, helping them manage their lifestyle as they're training, trying to improve you know, uh, an, an outcome. So I guess, again, in a very long-winded way to answer your question, the thing I love the most about teaching is, is sharing this, this wisdom that I've learned with the students that you know everything that that we share with our clients and our athletes are based on things that we have to first learn and experience in our own lives and our own relationships and that. So, you know, it's one of these exciting industries that everything we get to learn benefits us first and then we get to share that benefit with others. So, you know, I kind of say, you know, it's not like, um, you know, you, you might be like an accountant where you've got to sit here and, and you know, learn how to, to, to balance budgets and look at profit and loss and all that, which, yeah, it can help, you know, um, your personal relationship with business and finances and things, but beyond that, it doesn't really do a lot. You know, in terms of you know your your intimate connection with other people and and you know your your balance between these male and female side. Well, that's the stuff that makes a very balanced lifestyle. Whereas in this industry, you know, everything we learn to help clients troubleshoot um, is going to benefit us in all our relationships. So yeah, it's it's what I really enjoy sharing. You know, with with the students, is making them realise. You know, that being a personal trainer or whatever it is they, they do in the fitness industry is so much bigger than just standing there helping someone lose weight or helping someone get bigger and stronger or helping them improve a target sports skill. We really, if we embrace what it is our, our job really is, is about, it's about that, but it's also helping them manage their lifestyle and their relationships with every other aspect of, of what's in their, their sphere of being. So, yeah, I, I love allowing the, you know, the trainers to see the journey they're embarking upon and, and how exciting this, this career and, and path really is. What are you working on right now to teach, to coach, to share with uh, all the other trainers that you work with? Uh, at the moment, of, in 2009, I, I opened up what's called the FMA Strength Institute. Um, actually, I, I tell a lie there, sorry, it was FMA Strength uh, Training, but Last year, I've teamed up with another company and it's become an institute, sorry. So, you know, we, we have this FMA Strength Institute, which um, is pretty much designed to, to teach trainers um, how to bridge the gap between musculoskeletal rehabilitation and strength and conditioning. And really, the, the key behind that is also to teach that in a way that has immediate application to, to personal training and, and fitness and, and things like that. So, yeah, it's, um, it's really exciting and it's... You know, involves uh, about students being very balanced between, like I said, the, the masculine and the feminine. Because you know, when we talk about coaching, 
you know, coaching is both an art and a science. You know, so it really is about teaching people how to embrace both the art and science of rehabilitation and strength and conditioning to, to help your client athlete achieve a, an end result that they're after. So that's kind of, you know, what we're working on at the moment. Do you have a current area of study, uh, just either whether it be health, wellness, or just something else that you're really interested in right now that you've been diving into, whether it be books, audio, uh, video? Yeah, I'm kind of, um, you know, I spent a lot of my, my career really getting deep into, you know, musculoskeletal rehab and strength and conditioning and, and training athletes and, and all that. Um, but yeah, now I'm kind of really getting a lot into embracing, you know, behavioral change and psychology and, and the mental emotional. Um, and also delving a lot deeper too into the metaphysical side of things as well. So that, that also, I guess, you know, comes part and part with me sort of trying to find more balance in, in my own sort of life as well. Anything that's really struck a chord with you as far as like the metaphysical aspect? Yeah, it, it's basically, um, I think what's really struck a chord for me is, is you know, we, we turn to, we're sort of taught to look external to self to find answers. Um, Hemi talks a lot about it in terms of, you know, we're kind of taught to, to give our power away to to more of the intellectual, the academic side of things. Um, so, you know, I kind of tried that approach when it came to understanding my relationship with self and my relationship with spirituality and those sorts of things. You know, I, I did what most people do and that's go to the bookshop um, and start buying books with a sort of a, a metaphysical type, type theme to it. Um, you know, because I, I do sort of embrace a certain level of intellect and academia as well, I kind of migrated towards the books that would sort of have some sort of uh, scientific support behind it. Um, but, you know, I kind of, I think, made the mistake that a lot of people make, and that is I was kind of looking for other people to, to give me answers. And it really, it really isn't that challenging. You know, it, it's more about just finding the time to, to sit with yourself and learn how to connect with self and then learn how to look within. And that's really where you start to, to find the truth. So, yeah, I think the, the big thing that really struck a chord for me is, is to kind of do the opposite to what I've always done, you know, to try and gain information. Um, and that's more doing, you know, flipping around and, and sitting with myself and, and looking within and, and, and sort of exploring what's inside me. And, and that's where you, would, you connect with your truth, your higher self, and, and you connect with a lot of um, things in your life in terms of your values and your purpose and, and where you want to move towards. Uh, very challenging to do, you know. Um, sitting with self can be quite a quite a scary and daunting process for a lot of people. You know, we get very good at distracting ourselves, you know, from self by using noise, you know, TV, work, you know, anything we can to, to avoid the silence that, that comes with with being alone with self. Um, but yeah, once you sort of overcome that, it's it's, it's a very rewarding rewarding sort of process to go through. Mark, what is something that you either feel or believe that most other people think is insane? Something that I feel or believe that most other people think is insane? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess straight off the bat, it would have to be, you know, I think my jokes are really funny, but not even else. <laughs> 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 so they'd probably think I'm insane for, for feeling that way. Um, yeah, I guess for me, it would have to be, you know, when we take a look at where we are today and, and, and how most people are navigating life and, and the distractions that we use and where we put importance now, you know, what we, we put value in, 
I kind of look at the, the collective direction that we're kind of going in and, and I'd have to say that I kind of feel that's insane. You know, we're becoming very disconnected from, from the environment, becoming very disconnected from nature. You know, um, just the, we're becoming very disconnected from the basic foundation principles of health and, and, and our relationships with self and our relationships with our children and our communities and all those things all just seems to be crumbling and, and falling apart um, and we seem to be moving in this direction. That's, that's basically going to implode. You know, it, the, the earth can't sustain it. Um, we're, we're creating adults that are becoming very, very empty inside. You know, I remember reading the work by Carl Jung, who's a very well-known uh, psychologist in the past, and he talks about the, the cycle of life, and he talks about ascending phase and descending phase. And, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd be familiar with things like, you know, um, if you look at some of the indigenous cultures, they'll say things like it takes a whole community you know, to, to raise a child. And everybody has value and, and contribution, which is, you know, the, the basic psychological needs that we as people, you know, sort of need. So, you know, as people get older, um, they still have a very meaningful contributing role within that tribe. So quite often, the older you get, um, you know, you, you're someone who's gone through that trivium of learning, you know, through knowledge and experience, and now you have that wisdom to impart on, you know, the, the younger generation that, that's moving forward. So, you know, they always have this sense of contribution, um, they always have this sense of purpose, and they always have this sense of meaning, and, and, you know, meaning is very important for health and longevity. So, you know, I kind of look at that and I've always embraced that because, you know, we, we don't sort of see that being mirrored in, in Western society today. You know, unfortunately, as people age and they get to a point where they're no longer a commodity of the state in terms of, you know, the amount of energy they can put in to you know, produce products or to consume products drops off, um, they then get classified or looked upon as more of a burden on the state rather than you know, someone that has a lot to contribute to society. So unfortunately, you know, we, we take away these, these older people's sense of meaning and purpose, which as you know is, is not a good thing to do. So when you kind of look at that, you know, what I see is, is people that um, are being pushed very much into the, the male, the, the yang, sort of consuming destructive type energies um, to be this perfect commodity state, which is to use their, their energy or life force to contribute by producing products or to consume products. But there, there is no wisdom from elders to help them connect with self, to help them connect with you know their their higher sense of purpose and being, and to help them connect with the feminine and the spiritual side of, of who and what we are. So a lot of people, as they, they go through these, these ascending uh, phases of life, you know, go through with, with no real sort of inner depth, no real inner awareness or inner knowing. So as it going back to Carl Jung, he kind of talks about as we get into our, our late 30s to 40s um, and we start to get to the top of that ascending phase of our life and we start looking at the peak and then what is next, which is the descending phase and the descending symbolizing now towards the, the movement um, towards passing, you know, we all unfortunately will be forced around that time to, to look inside ourselves to see if there's anything that we can hold on to beyond the external world um, that gives us a sense of peace, a sense of calm, or a certain level of faith that, that gives us that comfort to, to navigate and move forward into our descending phase of life. And, you know, as I said, the, the way that we're treating the elderly and, and the way that we're being raised um, to disconnect from feeling and the feminine and to go deep into the masculine you know, and, and things, energies like that, then unfortunately we're seeing a lot of people that when they get to that descending, uh, top of that ascending phase, 
and they look within, they, they don't find anything. They're, they're empty. They've never had any spiritual growth or any um, level of support, you know, that's going to give them any sense of comfort at that, that sort of peak point or that, that as it is for many people, a crisis point. You know, and this is why we have like this midlife crisis and, and people get very depressed and, and often look back and go, what have I been doing with my life? I've wasted, you know, so many years. I haven't formed meaningful connection relationships, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, the, the way that the Western society tends to be moving and what we as a collective seem to perceive or place priority on or sense of importance to, connect importance to, um, I think that's, that's crazy. You know, so, yeah, that, that's something that I, I believe. Um, and I know that many people might hear this and, and think that I'm insane for, for having that belief because, you know, when you're kind of going down that path, we, we tend to not see where we're heading and, and what really is driving these behaviours. Um, often until it becomes too late and we have that crisis of self or, or whatever that sort of makes us take a step back and, and really have a look at where we're going. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something that I, I, I feel that hopefully sort of answered your question. Mark, it, it absolutely does. So thank you for that. And I, I agree. I think just that community uh, to really come home to, whereas speaking of before where you talked about just balance, uh, the balance between the yin, the yang, the male, the female, uh, and bringing all that together, uh, I think could really be a beautiful thing for uh, just all of Western society rather than just being such a uh, hard driving force. And I'm curious then, so with yourself, like you talked about just trying to find that balance, um, what are things where people are almost under-recovering then? Because you, you talked about this a little bit before too. Uh, what are what are things that people can do to just start to bring that uh, yin, bring that balance back into their lives? Yeah, it's um, you know a term that I, I picked up from, from Paul many years ago is, is you know, balancing the, the working out with the working in. You know, and we, unfortunately, we, we're, we're kind of being indoctrinated into this belief that more is better, you know, that we need to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and striving and striving and striving, you know, to, to get external sort of validation from the people we work with, the people around us and things like that. And it, it fascinates me because, you know, when you look at most people today, they, they, get, they feel guilty having time off. They, they feel guilty you know, just trying to rest and, and recover, you know, and unfortunately there's a, you know, it's a, it's, there's a lot of negatives around taking time out for self, you know, so I think, you know, the, the big problem starts with the, the way that the collective society is, is going as a whole and, you know, that the negativity that's sort of around the whole concepts of rest, relaxation, recovery, you know, you, you either hear people say that, you know, you've, you've got to earn your, your rest and recovery, meaning if you've worked really, really hard, then you've earned to have like a week off. Um, I don't agree with that. And then you've got people that just don't know how to have the balance between the male and feminine. And when, like I said, when you're too pushed into the, the masculine energy, it is a, it's a very driving, um, consuming type force. And it will just keep burning and burning and burning. And when you're that disconnected from feeling and all things, you know, the feminine, um, then you don't have that natural, we sort of override that, that natural instinct we have to love, nurture and support ourselves, you know, which is very, very damaging. So what that really means is, is that we give our power away to other people 
um, and we keep pushing and pushing and pushing and we've kind of disconnected from that natural instinct um, to love, nurture and support ourselves. And, you know, when someone's making money from you, they want you to keep going. So if you're not even going to step up and go, hey, I need to, to spend more time working in, etc., well, they're definitely not going to offer it. So it's kind of a, um, a very negative cycle that we get into with a lot of our, our working relationships and our training um, and sporting type endeavors and things like that. Now, excuse me for a minute, I'm just going to stop the dog. Okay. Good boy. Good boy. Yeah, sorry about that. No, the dogs are definitely agreeing with you with what you're saying, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it was barks of uh, agreeance, not contradiction. Hey, buddy. Now he wants to get on my lap. You sit down. You sit down. Yeah, sorry, what were we talking about? It was... Well, we were talking about just uh, being able to take that time off when needed, I think. Uh, and I was actually going to see, what was the last thing you did, or did you just for a vacation of any sort? Yeah, well, I just, I just got back recently. Uh, I did a pretty, pretty challenging sort of one-month lecture tour through Australia. And I was on the road for about all up. Um, it was around eight weeks. So I got back about two weeks ago, so the first thing Jimena did was, was booked for us to have a week um, in Capcana, which is a, a beautiful little sort of closed gate, gate community center, or gated community, sorry, down, down by the beaches uh, near Punta Cana. So I'm actually, like, sorry, I'm using these funny words for most people. I'm, I'm living in the Dominican Republic right now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, we just, when I just got back, we... You know, she picked me up from the airport and we went straight out to this, this resort and I just had a week where I just got to just wind down, um, just have some quiet, just have some time you know, of giving to, to me because you know, when you're teaching and you're on the road, you're always giving and giving and giving to other people and to students and things. And it, it's really good because you know, in the past, you know, my idea of a holiday used to be you'd go, to, you'd go somewhere and you'd do things that were fun. You know, and, and those fun things were usually involved, you know, going to the beach, drinking cocktails, drinking alcohol, <laughs> you know, um, watching movies or, or whatever. But, you know, those sorts of things which, yeah, okay, they're fun, but they're still not really things you'd consider working in or supporting, you know, the, the whole concept of loving self and nurturing self and, and giving, you, you know, your body those resources, you know, to heal and to repair and to regenerate and things like that. So... Now what I do is when we, when we go somewhere, you know, it's all about connecting with nature, you know, walking bare feet um, on the ground, getting sunlight, um, trying to remove myself as much as possible from electromagnetic radiation, those sorts of things, eating good, clean, um, organic food, which is what I always do, but, you know, trying to, you know, connect more with getting food that's more local and seasonal and things like that, you know, which we can do at farmer's markets and things. Yeah, and just really just trying to, to silence my mind as well. So that, that's the, the biggest challenge I have is, is my mind is, is so active. It always wants to pull me into my left hemisphere, which is the hemisphere for logic and reason. And it wants to work all the time. So, you know, I find everything that I just talked about very, very easy to do when I go on a break, except quieting, you know, silencing and, and quieting my mind. And I've noticed, you know, over the years is that the more I get pulled into to intellect, um, the more I move out of feeling, and I become very numb to, to feeling. And this is a, this is a bad thing because you know when you become numb to feeling, um, you know you don't feel in terms of your 
your connection, your intimacy with others, like in your relationship, but you also don't feel the connection and intimacy with self. And you become very numb to what your, your body's trying to tell you, you know, and it's the, the messages it's trying to give you. So, you know, unfortunately, when you, um, you go down that path, you know, the, the body has a, has a great way of always trying to make you listen. And it will try to tap you on the shoulder to say, hey, you need to slow down, you need to get more sleep, you need to change some things, whatever. And we do a very good job at numbing ourselves to those little messages and, and not hearing them. So the body is a good way of going, well, if you're not going to feel the tap on the shoulder, I'm just going to have to start shouting a bit louder. And eventually, it's going to shout loud enough that, that you have to listen. But by then, it, it's usually you know, too late. So, um, yeah, it's very important that we, we really understand what working in is and, and how to embrace you know, what healing is about. Um, and like I said, you know, it's not just about the external things that we change in our environment, like getting sun, good food, and things like that. It's also about changing our internal relationship with self and being prepared to, to quiet down, to have silence and to listen and, and to feel what our bodies are, are telling us. And, and that's how you, you really sort of master, you know, recovery for, for who you are and for yourself and, and your own individual needs. What is the most beautiful part of nature for you? The most beautiful part of nature is, it's just, to me, it's just the colors. You know, it's... It's, it's amazing when, when you actually look at things with feeling. Now, I know that that, that might be um, sort of a, a crazy concept for a lot of people. Like how do you look at something with feeling? But, you know, we tend to look at things through mind where we will look at a flower and we'll go, oh, that's a nice rose. Yeah, red, red petals and da-da-da. And we kind of, you know, through mind, we kind of break it down and, and we kind of judge it, you know. But... When you look at something through feeling, it's, it's, it's a different concept altogether. It's like you try to look at something without judging it, without seeing it in your mind, just by connecting with it and just, what do I feel when I look at this flower? You know, and when you, when you sort of learn how to do that, which is, is quite challenging, you know, again, it's about um, looking at things without using the mind. It's just connecting with the feeling of what you're seeing and observing. Um, when you can look at nature, you know, with, with that sort of ability, that's when you see the beauty that is there. It's where you quiet your mind and you see and you feel at the same time and you just see how magnificent this, this world is, you know, the colors, um, the, the symmetry, the, the designs, you know, everything. It just, it, it just blows you away. And, yeah, it's, um, to me, it's just learning how to quiet my mind so I can go out in nature and see through feeling and yeah it's just when you learn to do that and again people might think I'm, I'm crazy especially you know if I was to hear myself say this 15 years ago when I was very academic in science and didn't really believe in spirituality but when you can learn um, to turn your mind off and to look at the world through feeling you know and you see the magnificence that really is all around us you will never ever question Again, is there a spiritual connection? Is, is there something greater um, than, than, than us? You know, it, it's just you see truth, if that makes, makes any sense. And, and it does, Mark. Um, what I'm curious then, if, if that's not something to question anymore, then what would you think or what do you feel is the most important question to ask yourself? Most important question? Yeah. Um, I, I guess... The most, I mean, there's, there's many ways I could answer it, but I guess, you know, the most important question to ask, you know, yourself 
really is, do you really want to get to know who you are and what your relationship with the rest of the world really is? I guess because, you know, like I said, we, we, we tend to um, go through life through ego and, and intellect, which is that whole part of the mind that tends to drive us into isolation, separation, conflict, you know, authority, fear, you know, those sorts of things. And most of us, unfortunately, live a life where they never, ever um, get to connect with who they really are. And they never really get to connect with what their, their higher self is all about and what their sense of purpose and meaning really is. So for me, the journey really starts when you're prepared to, to ask that question and go, you know, are you prepared to do what it takes to really get intimate and know yourself? Because when you learn to connect and know self, that's when you really make that big step forward into connecting with your higher purpose and your meaning and, and seeing things in this world through a level of clarity that you, you don't see um, when you're, you're embarking in, in the other sort of level of existence. So if you had, say, 12 months to live, what would you spend the next year doing? Um, well, I would, I, I would speed things up, really, because, you know, like what I'm currently doing at the moment is to, to my wife is, is my goal is, is to have everything in my professional life completed by the age of 45. Um, I'm, I'm 43 now, so it doesn't leave much longer. Because what I want to do at 45 is, is have everything in my life in a position where it's self-supporting and self-sustaining. So it doesn't require a lot of my energy to, to manage it and, and to, to keep it moving forward. Because at that point there, that's when I want to really embark into experiencing you know, my, my true sort of relationship with, with my spiritual side. And it's something I've always sort of put on hold. You know? um, so yeah, if, if I had 12 months to live that would become the number one priority. And I would really want to connect as well as I can in knowing who I really am, what my place is, um, and really sort of move towards understanding my true purpose and sense of being and, and just connect with that level of comfort that comes when, when you really start seeing things through that sort of perspective. How do you see yourself either trying mm -hmm. to do that now if you had to or in three years when the time comes where you have that professional life yeah. on uh, autopilot, if you will, and you really are ready to start to connect more. Yeah, I, I guess the way I see it is like, um, you know, I kind of look at the, the world, I don't know if Hemi's mentioned this to you when she talks, but, you know, uh, you've seen the, the movie The Matrix, and I'm sure you have Keanu Reeves. Yes, yes. Yeah, so I, I, kind of, I kind of look at the world being a lot like The Matrix, you know, and it's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that goes on within this matrix that really does imprison you. It, 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 it's a, it really is a society that um, is based upon disempowering people or taking people's power away rather than empowering people and, and giving them their power back. You know, so when you're confronted with that reality and you, you look at your life and you realize that there are many different areas that, that our power has been taken from us or we've chosen um, unconsciously, or in a state of ignorance to, to give our power away. And, you know, when, when you have that realization, there are, there are three, three ways you can navigate it. And that is, one, you can walk up to the, the person, the place or thing, whatever, that, that's taken your power, and you can ask for it back. But, unfortunately, you know that people usually don't like to give that sort of thing back, so it doesn't really work too well. And we see this a lot in our relationships. Um, the other way is that, you can, um, if, if they won't give you power back, then you can use force to try and take your power back. And we see this a lot in society today, 
you know, a lot of these movements are, are driven by force to try and take power back, you know, like the feminist movement and things like that. You know, I remember Mother Teresa once saying, to paraphrase, which I thought was really beautiful, is that um, I won't go to an anti-war campaign, but I will go to a peace campaign. See, it's, it's all about the, the difference in energy. So unfortunately, you know, a lot of the time we're trying to use force to make a change, to take our power back. And, and you know, when force meets force, we, we just get we chaos. We're kind of giving the energy that's going to manifest the, the, the negative, which is what we don't want to do. And then the third option is, you know, we, when we realize, as I look it way back to this parenting of self and the concept of self-parenting, which is stuff that I learned from, from John McMillan, um, J.P. Sears, and, and of course, Domena, you know, we, we talk about self-parenting and you really realize that as an adult, which is what self-parenting is, it's about becoming an adult and, and making your own choices and living by the consequences of your choices, whether positive or negative. You know, we realize that as adults, we, we can do something um, that children can't. And that is when something like that has happened and someone's trying to take our power away, whatever, one of the best ways to, to take your power back is just to get up and remove yourself, just, just to walk away. So I kind of use the analogy, you know, unfortunately, if a father's shouting at a child, unfortunately, um, that child is stuck there. You know, they, they can't just get up and leave. If they try to, the parent will grab them and put them back down and say, don't you walk away from me, and they'll, they'll keep, you know, pushing shame and fear onto them. But as an adult, we can look at this and go, you know, I don't agree with this behavior. I don't agree with the situation. And I don't need to ask for my power back because it's something that I will always own. You don't actually own it. And I definitely don't need to use force um, in conflict to try and get my power back from you or take it back because there's nothing to take back. It's still within me. So as an adult, I can just remove myself from these behaviors or these situations that don't really um, align with, with my values and my purpose and things like that. So I kind of really embrace that. So I see the matrix as being like that. So, you know, I kind of went down the path of wanting to ask my power back, and then when that didn't work, I wanted to use force to take my power back. Um, and again, that, that doesn't really work long term. And now I've kind of had this awakening where I realized, you know, what I can do is just remove myself because the power, like I said, when you look within, you, you realize that's where it always ends, that, that's where it begins, that's where it ends. So there's nothing to ask back, for ask back. There's nothing to try and use force to take back. It's always within you. And if you remove yourself and walk away, you take it with you. It doesn't stay with it. So that was the, the, the big realization I had. So one of the things I, I want to do is, is, is be responsible for my own experience here. And, you know, him and I, we want to have what's called like an opt-in, opt-out lifestyle. So we really do, you know, want to remove ourselves from the game, from, from the matrix um, and create an environment for ourselves that is based on our values and have a very self-sustaining, self-supporting type environment that's separate from the matrix, if you want to keep calling it that, that allows us to be responsible, you know, for our own health, our own well-being, and providing for our own basic needs. So, you know, even if like the grid goes down or it, it becomes even harder and harder to get organic food, or whatever, you know, the, the scenario that might play in the matrix, it won't impact upon us because we've chosen, chosen to step outside the matrix of the game and create the environment that we want to have. So, yeah, if, if 12 months was going to be the end for me, um, that's exactly the, the, the path I would move into where I'd completely opt out um, and just spend that, the 12 months building and connecting with the environment and with my relationships, my interview with my wife, and just 
have my, my declining phase of my life being completely in an environment that's governed purely and solely by self um, and, and not have to worry about external influences forcing me into decisions or directions that I want to go. And I think that's really what freedom is. So, you know, we, we were born free and I kind of like the idea um, of living but also dying as a free spirit as well. Mark, that, that actually just blew me away there. Uh, I love the idea of just removing yourself from the matrix, uh, if you will, in this case. It almost seems more just simple than, it, than it, like trying to think of like all these problems to solve this, solve that, so on and so forth. But just removing yourself from uh, any of the conflicts, any of the problems in the world, and then they can't affect you. They can't have that negative impact on your life but you can control it i think is an amazing way to go about it yeah it, it like i said some of the, the most powerful things that we'll ever hear are the most simplest things we'll ever hear as well you know and i'm a I'm firm believer in that like life was never meant to be this difficult it was never meant to be this confusing um but we get distracted so much that we 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 kind of lose the ability to like i said to think and to feel and then to, to navigate our life through intuition, which is basically where intellect and feeling come together. You know, so that's what intuition is to me. So, yeah, it's like, like I said um, to one of your earlier questions, you know, if you just take the time, which unfortunately is a very scary, daunting process for most people, or a thought for most people, to just sit with self in silence and just connect with who you really are, that's when a lot of sense comes out of all the nonsense and chaos around us. Like I said, you know, that really is the first step to finding peace and clarity in your life is, is, is taking the time to connect with self. Because when you connect with self, you, you, you sort of connect with truth, as, as I, I made reference to. And that's when you can look at things and, and see, see the game, just to see what's really playing out in most people's lives. You know, I mean, when you look at how society is just breaking down it, it's, it's no wonder that we're becoming, you know, physically and mentally, emotionally, and spiritually sick. You know, it really is no wonder. I mean, I remember I told you earlier I'm sort of getting into psychology and, and I, I love all that stuff. Well, I remember something that was very, very powerful for me, which was, you know, we, we look at a lot of people having these addictive-like behaviors um, or, or true addictions. Now, we, we, used to, we used to say that an addiction to like a, a chemical or a narcotic or something like that it, you know, it was a chemical addiction. Um, and unfortunately, you know, a lot of that was, was based, it was a study that was done many years ago with a, a researcher who, who put a mouse in a cage um, and kind of had the mouse had the option of, of drinking water or, or taking, you know, like heroin. And unfortunately, the, the mouse chose predominantly to, to take hits of heroin, um, even to the point where it overread its own natural instinct for survival um, we didn't drink the water and ended up, you know, overdosing and dying. So this is where we went, wow, you know, we interpret these things and go, man, you know, heroin such an addictive drug that, you know, the, the mouse chose to, to avoid its natural instincts for survival and override that and ultimately led to its own demise through, through that sort of behavior. And we go, okay, wow, strong chemical addiction. But then there was another researcher who kind of looked beyond that and said, well, hang on, that's not really a natural environment you know, for a, for a mouse um, or a rat. So what would happen if we redid the test, gave it the same choices, water, heroin, etc. but this time we created an environment that was more based on the social networking of, of a mouse or a rat. So they created what was called like mouse land. 
where it had um, you know other mice to interact with, to play with, to, to mate with. It had lots of things to stimulate it, like running wheels and and food and, and other sorts of things. And lo and behold, they, they realized, wow, now the mice aren't really that interested in heroin. So, you know, and it sort of confirmed some of the studies that we saw, you know, post-Vietnam where a lot of the, the American soldiers were taking heroin um, to disconnect from the pain and the fear that they were experiencing on a daily basis, you know, in that such aggressive, you know, threatening environment. And the, the outcome was going to be, oh, no, we're going to have so many drug addicts coming back from Vietnam after the war. Yet a lot of the soldiers, when they, they came back, um, didn't have a drug addiction problem because they went back to their natural social networks. So we now realize that, you know, we need to have a different look, you know, at our, how we view these things like addictions and, and those sorts of things. And we realize that, you know, when you look fundamentally at the biological being, which is a, which is a human being, we really are social animals based on social um, bonding and social connection. And if we don't have those connections in our lives, we don't have intimate connections with others, etc., or bonding with others, then we will find something to connect and bond with, right? So, you know, when you look at basic psychology, we often talk about uh, that as a, as a basic organism, we try to um, distract or displace ourselves from pain and, and move towards pleasure. So when we don't have these connections, then we basically, like I said, we'll find things to bond with purely to distract us from the lack of connection and meaning and stuff that we have in our own lives. And we will bond with that substance, whether it's, you know, a drug or whether it's a behavior like gambling, um, pornography or whatever. It's just an attempt to distract ourselves from the pain and the emptiness that we feel through the lack of connection and intimacy and feeling that we have in our lives. So we see this a lot. So, you know, I was making reference about how, how crazy I, I feel the Western world is at the moment. You know, we, we have this, this world where, as I said, we're all moving into the, the, the male energy, where we move into intellect and out of feeling. You know, we, we stop feeling. And when you're that busy all the time, when you're that self-involved all the time, when you're always living a life that's based on competition and fear, then you're always going to be moving away from feeling, which is the path of intimacy and connection. So this is why we see more and more people trying to distract and numb themselves from the pain they have, which is this lack of feeling um, and emotion, by bonding with all these stimulants and drugs and, and really negative type type behaviours. So um, you know, it's it fascinates me. Like when we look at this, it becomes so simple to see, and yet we keep perpetuating this. You know, I remember looking at a, a study that was done, and it showed you. I think it was around 50 years ago, it would show you the, the relative size of, of someone's living environment, like their home, and, you know, there would be around four to five people living in a space that nowadays is kind of half the space that most people have available to them, and they live there alone. You know, so we have less intimate contact, we have bigger space, more emptiness around us, and we have very, very limited connection. And then you compound that even more by going, so what are people trying to do now to try and find connection and meaning? Social media, which just feeds this function even more. And this is why we know that a lot of people get a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression using social media for an outlet for their emptiness of not having connections in their present world or their, their real existence. And they try to form these bonds and connections in, in virtual world. You know, and that creates another very negative um, 
sort of experience of people. So, yeah, I mean, I kind of went off on a big story then. I kind of forgot <laughs> the, the original. There, there, was a, there was a meeting for all this, which hopefully you can, you can fill the blanks in. <laughs> well, no, Mark, and I appreciate that story because it, it's funny. I, I just listened to uh, a podcast this morning before we talked, and it's uh, Mike Dillard's Self-Made Man podcast, and he had on the author of the book The Perfect Storm, which later went on to be a huge movie and everything. But yep. he actually studied, and he was a journalist over in uh, a lot of war-torn countries that we were uh, in in the U.S., and he, he kind of looked at this uh, PTSD and all these soldiers that are coming back struggling with this, and he struggled with it himself, even being a reporter. But then he said once he found and once he has helped a lot of other soldiers find this connection, find this community, uh, that any and all of those problems really uh, – start to resolve themselves uh and it's it's an amazing thing to see but uh, mark i i, I want to be respectful of your time here uh one last thing just want to find out from you is where can our listeners find more about you what they can they do uh to be able to connect with you and find more of your work okay um yeah before i answer that was quickly i just remembered why i was telling all that stuff before just to yeah. quickly close that chapter um yeah it, it it's all about sort of saying you know so we we can't if we really want to change the way things really are, it, it always, like I said, goes back to connecting with self and connecting with you know feeling and all that. And that's when you start navigating your life through the laws of nature and you know actually navigating healthy relationships that put your emotional needs first and stops you from getting pulled into the matrix. So yeah, that, that's kind of why you know when you can have a healthy relationship with self, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, you can then have healthy relationships with others, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And then the thought of stepping out of that matrix um, to regain your freedom and things like that isn't such a scary thought after all. For most people, would be too freaking scared to do that right now because they feel so dependent upon the matrix and the illusion um, of that dynamic. So, yes, yeah, so that's kind of why I went, went down that, that path there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, to find out more about me, uh, well, like I said, I've just teamed up. With the with this another company, we were, were officially released this year. That was called the FMA Strength Institute. Um, we're getting the the website and all that done currently. So unfortunately, uh, there's not a, a big presence right now in terms of what you'll see online. But in a, about thing about six weeks away, we're going to be releasing everything. Um, well, by so, the time this goes out, that actually might be up then because we'll have it'll be a couple of weeks. Uh, so maybe everybody by the time this is up, we'll have links. Everybody can go check that out as well then. Oh, great. Perfect. Yeah, and um, currently at this stage, we're pretty much driving everything through Australia um, with 2017 uh, being the official year that we're going to branch out, move into America, Canada, UK, and, and those sorts of things. So, yeah, hopefully we could be, if May could be coming to a town near you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, thank you again for sharing all that. Uh, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to have to go back and watch The Matrix a few more times now uh, just to check it out, see, see what any of these things that I missed see how I can relate it to this. But everybody, make sure to go check out uh, all FMA Strength Institute. If they are coming to a town near you, make sure to go check them out. Mark, again, thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get your top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts to help you simplify your health journey. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss 
What is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health? Also, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and a five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others.